talking about the things that make your home service business go. Marketing, finance, systems, people. This is the Fight Club for Business podcast. Is it really Tuesday again? How that happen? Hi. Happy Tuesday, morning, everyone, and welcome to Fight Club. Hey. Hello. How are you? Thanks for hey. having us. <laughs> Hi, Jenny and Chris. Welcome to the show. Uh, as a way of introducing yourself to our listeners, please tell us who you are and a little bit about your business. I'm just going to jump right in. <laughs> Go ahead, please. Well, hello. My name's Chris Eccleston. I'm the CEO of Delmarva Veteran Builders. We're a general contracting firm in Salisbury, Maryland. We've been in business for about 10 years. We do uh, commercial work in Delaware, Maryland, and Virginia. We operate in about a hundred mile radius and uh, we do projects. Um, we, we, it, you know, we always have about 10 to 15 projects going on at any one time. And uh, we kind of got our, our name known for our, our veteran attitude, uh, bringing that military mindset to the construction workforce. There's a lot of parallels between the construction industry and the military. And we've always had a goal of trying to keep uh, about 50% of our workforce as veteran guard or reserve. And we've done a, a really good job of that. And, and we had rapid explosive growth uh, when we were uh, in that five, six, seven year period. We were on the Inc. 5000 list uh, three years in a row. Oh. We were on the Vet 50 list for two years in a row. And then we um, actually got a, an award from the, at the Pentagon. Uh, from the Secretary of Defense for our, our, our veteran hiring initiatives and our, you know, we were hiring like veterans, um, training them to and using this as a stepping stone, either to stay with us or then to move into, you know, whatever they uh, decided to choose. So that's a little bit of back, about my background. <laughs> and, and I met about five years ago. Yeah. So, cool. Um, Jenny, tell us who you are, please. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Um, yeah, I um, grew up in Cincinnati area, northern Kentucky, um, and I moved all over the country throughout the years. I got my graphic design degree at a school called Flagler College in Florida. And from then on, I kind of traveled the world and did designing and travel blogging, different things like that. And um, I ended up in California. I realized Meg's in California. I was living in California around age 35, and I reconnect, reconnected with an old college friend who was widowed. And he lived in Salisbury, Maryland. Never really heard of it before, but I knew him from Kentucky. But um, anyways, we fell in love and he happened to have four kids from his first marriage. His wife had pancreatic cancer. She passed away and he was left with you know four young children. So I don't know what happened to me, but I love <laughs> and I picked up and left Santa Monica and moved cross country and moved to Salisbury, Maryland. And I became an instant mom. And I didn't know what I was doing, but it was, it's been a wild adventure all along. And then a couple of years into it, I really wanted to find my niche here in Salisbury. And I knew Chris through friends and um, we kind of talked every once in a while, but I realized he really wanted to do some different things in terms of different design aspects. And we finally decided to work together and they hired me about five years ago. So since then it's been exactly how I thought it'd be a whirlwind of, of excitement, <laughs> craziness and never a dull moment around here. So that's, that's how I got here. 
I love it. Well, welcome to Fight Club. And for those of you who are just joining us for the first time, we are a group of four industry experts, and we are so excited to have Jenny and Chris on the show today. Megan, please introduce yourself, and we'll go around as if Tay were here. Tay, we miss you so much. Uh, she's off today, so please. Oh, I'm like all out of order today. We've had Tay, and then we have Amanda, and then, okay. I know. Okay. <laughs> Uh, good morning, everybody. My name is Megan Likes. I'm the founder of Bookkeeping Academy Online, where I educate and empower small business owners to know their numbers so that they can live more financially rewarding lives. I'm also the owner of Likes Accounting Company, a full service accounting company where we do all those nasty bookkeeping and accounting and CFO related tasks, kind of helping you keep an eye on the money in your business while you're working so hard. And I'm the CEO of a window cleaning gutter cleaning company with my husband, Jeff, uh, in that space out of Northern California called Jeff Likes Clean Windows and Gutters, and a host of other things. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to add one. We're getting really passionate about bringing recurring service into home service, especially in the exterior home service space. So uh, Martha and I are partners in a company called Service Ally. So uh, welcome back to the show, and we're happy to be here. And Chris and Jenny, I'm so excited to meet you and get to know you and spend this hour with you. Same here. Yeah. And I'm Michelle, co-owner of Pink Collars, and we put remote admins in your business, office managers, anybody that you need to help take care of that customer care remotely. And I'm also the co-owner of a Wise Coatings location in Loudoun Valley, Loudoun County, Virginia, sorry. And I am thrilled to have you guys here. I think I mentioned it before we went live, but my 12-year-old read your book aloud as I was taking her to camp this morning. And it was really fun to hear it in the voice of a child after I had clearly scanned it and read it myself, but it was really fun. And I cannot wait to spend this hour with you too. So welcome to Fight Club. Thank you. Thank you. And lastly, I, my name is Martha Woodward and I am co-founder of a quality driven software. And it's a basically a performance tracking software, employee performance tracking. I owned a maid service for 13 years in a neighboring state. So that's really where I cut my teeth on having to figure out how to lead employees and not be there. <laughs> so anyway, welcome to Fight Club. And normally I'm passing it back to Tay, but I'm passing it back to Megan this time. Yeah, great. Wait, I'm the note taker also, and I'm trying to share. So there's a lot of things happening. And usually Tay does this, but that's okay. Um, all right. Well, let's see. Let's start with, I have so many questions. I have so many thoughts. Let's start, we're going to talk about money. So let's start about the what's behind you. Let's start about the design aspect behind you and give us a little bit about like the origin story, the backstory. Um, there's some beautiful graphics behind you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I guess I'll start. Um, so that's part of our ad campaign uh, behind us. You see like several posters. If we could zoom in, you could see. Um, and around 2019, uh, Chris and I got together and with the rest of our team and wanted to kind of re, uh, rebrand the company. Um, also to come up with some new core values. Um, I'll let Chris, if you want to talk about uh, kind of core values and what we kind of wanted to go from there um we're all in business and when you're fighting for your business something uh sometimes competitors start to copy what you're doing and uh was it flattery uh 
Imitation it, is the best. Yeah, there you go. That's, yeah. a, never did. <laughs> right. that's why that's why, I, that's, that's why I changed it. Anyway, um, so that was uh, something that um, I started to see in the marketplace. And um, I wanted to come up with something that could not be copied. And if it was, it was going to be extremely obvious. And so we sat down and we really wanted to identify ourselves, um, what we stand for, what we believe in, what are our guiding principles. And we came up, we arrived at four. Um, so Operation Grit, uh, Be Fresh, Ignite Potential, and Do Epic Shit. I apologize for the language. On our poster in every room in our office. So that's what that's who we are. That's what we stand for. And those are the things that we are going to do. Um, you're hired and fired off of them. And that's just kind of what we believe. So um, that that was kind of the guiding principle of um, what we were going to do. And then um, Jenny was tasked with um, creating a uh, tagline and an image and, and some scenery uh, I remember the, fr I was running. So Jenny gets annoyed with me sometimes too, cause I will call her. Uh, yeah, quite often I'll call her when I'm running out running or something and be like, I got this idea. Uh, see, we have a big military truck. And, uh, Wait, before you, I want to finish this note while you're going on that thought, what was the third core value? So I had operation grit, be fresh, do epic ignite. shit, but I'm missing one in the middle. Ignite. Uh, ignite yeah. Ignite potential. Mm. Okay. I want to hear about this military truck. I'm sorry. Yeah, so it's called a deuce and a half. Um, <laughs> that's the army lingo. So it's a big army truck and we use it as a billboard, but so we park it on all our high profile jobs. So instead of having the reoccurring uh, marketing expense of buying billboards or something like that, we just park it on our job sites. And then we use it like for uh, parades and stuff like that. Um, get all the kids in the back of it and we dress up and stuff like that. So it's pretty, pretty good time. Um, but, uh, I, I called her one day and I said, I want to go like world war II. I'm seeing uncle, Sta <laughs> uncle Sam standing in the back of this military truck, you know, pointing at like, I want you and I want you. And, um, <laughs> that, and that was basically the call that she actually took on a Saturday morning or Sunday morning. And, um, and then, so, you know, that's yeah. how we kind of, yeah. So, I mean, obviously when he mentions anything, world war two, I'm like, I'm such a history buff and I love, I love that kind of stuff. And that just the story behind it, it's so inspiring. And, um, so I kind of started to do some research. And so, um, this was kind of around when we were also writing our core values so it was all kind of intertwined here. So the word grit was something that we, we use a lot just within our company anyway. And we feel like that really represents, um, also a military aspect. And also um, it just, it really, it's something that I feel like grit represents construction as well. So um, I was really doing some research on grit and just how it really applies to construction. And it's really about following through you have a goal in mind and you cannot quit, right? It's like, obviously you have people who are depending on you. And so that word was just something that was like, okay, this is something that has to be a part of who we are. And I want it to be part of our tagline. So um, another study Chris and I were doing, where he was into stoicism. So a lot of the ancients talking about um, just about how you overcome obstacles, how, how, obstacles actually shape your life and make you who you are. And they're actually, you should look at them as building blocks to your life rather than deterrence. So 
anyway, so after all the study, I kind of just writing brainstorming tag. I, I bought my room is covered. My office is covered and just brainstorming, you know, sketches, scribbles. But um, I kind of just wrote down one day grit leads to greatness. And I, it kind of just kind of sat with me a little bit. I was like, okay, this, this is not something that can just be applied to construction. I felt like it could be applied to your life in general. And because it's applied to my own life every day, you know, trying to, trying to accomplish something and, and, and you're wanting to give up, but your greatness is something that we believe is not, you know, not something that you're, you're famous, you're this, it's, it's achieving, it's, it's basically achieving something that you're changing the world with who you are. And it can be just not in your community. It can be with your family, you know, but greatness is something that we strive to, but it's, it's a never ending journey to better yourselves and, and, and help others along the way. So, yeah. So um, I took the tagline to the team and, they went with it. So we applied grit leads to greatness with, um, with the posters behind us. So I just basically took our team and we, um, we try, try, I looked at all these old world war II propaganda posters and just the colors of them were so vibrant. And it's just that almost that old school mentality, these kind of, you know, like we can do it and mom, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, to moms can do it. Cause our, uh, director of operations she had just had a child and she's she's that woman meg that you talk about like that just she leads our team she's inspirational and i just really wanted to highlight not only you know the men but the women on the team and just really show us that we work together on a daily basis so that's how the the tagline and in, in that campaign came up and um we got nominated for a, an international like marketing award so we ended up winning that at the end of 2020 which was a great wow. accomplishment <laughs> Yeah, I just I'm so fascinated and inspired. I've been thinking a lot. I'm going to pivot just slightly and hopefully like a listener can relate to this and you guys can talk about this. But I've been thinking a lot about um, expectations around staff and like, how do you motivate teams and how do you hold teams accountable? And this idea that like as as employers or as visionaries, we have a little bit of a responsibility in teaching and helping our staff manage their time and their energy like this is a big creative project it sounds like and it's an (laughs) ongoing creative project and i think so many employers so many companies don't prioritize the importance of creativity in the workplace like this idea of like uh, i was having a conversation yesterday i was like well i don't care what the industry is doing i'm trying to disrupt the industry why would i model something that's dead you know like but being disruptive takes so much energy because you have to be creative. And so usually we talk about creativity in terms of like, I guess marketing strategy is a common one that we would talk about it, but this is like, this has to be in those core values, like ignite potential, this idea that you you guys are really prioritizing this. And how do we get from all of that to, hey, let's publish a children's book. Like. <laughs> Where, where is that on the five-year vision plan or on the nine-year yeah. box? Like, I mean, this is so cool because we're talking about a construction company, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah yes. construction company. Um, well, I, th- I think one key piece was we also, um, we wanted to elevate people, our team, and mm-hmm. kind of make them take that iconic brand of World War II and then in- introduce our people into that. And Have you read this right- book? Uh, I'm having book club today, apparently. Oh, so. there you go. I'm talking about your book over breakfast and this book over lunch. But um, <laughs> I, I was prepping for this late last night. So this is, I dreamt of the word elevate, apparently. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, working to elevate your team and let's hear more about that. So, so I think coming off of that brand launch, that rebrand, um, and, and putting that, those, that's the tagline. What's the company name for the rebrand? Um, don't wait, Delmarva veteran builders. Yeah. That's Sorry. the name of our company. Delmarva, so Delmarva and Delmarva stands for Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. And we're on the peninsula. So Delmarva veteran mm -hmm. builders. Yeah. Yeah, check we, our website we, out and we see call Jenny's DVB, artwork. DVB is what we'll say. If you hear us say DVB, that's what we're referring to. So just a little bit shorter of, of <laughs> right. initials. So. so coming off of that and and the way we what we believe in and 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 talking about disruption, I, I love disruption. And in fact, sidebar, anybody, any listeners out there, um, they talk about a recession coming. I, I kind of don't really believe it. Um the construction industry is going to be radically disrupted in the next decade. It's going to be unlike anything we've ever seen before in our lifetime and in the history of construction. We're still building this things the same way we did 2000 years ago. We just wear hard hats and safety vests now. So it's, it's a really exciting time to be in the construction industry. All right. So we were elevating our people. We wanted to see something. And, uh, you know, this is something that we wanted to do for our business is we do um, we do some K through 12 projects. Um, and the other thing, some of your Wait, listeners you can't just say that you get it. Oh, sorry. K through 12. So school projects, elementary school, secondary yeah. schools like we would do. We would be the general contractor to add an addition onto a school. Got it. Okay. We would renovate um, uh, a school, that kind of thing. So we do some of that. I work. went to like volunteering. I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys are like my dream company. You're sending your guys to be second graders, children. Oh <laughs> uh, well, we do, we do that too. We do that too. Uh, uh, so um, we uh, so we 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 are in that space doing that work. That's part of our revenue portfolio. And but a lot of things, some of the things that your uh, listeners may not be aware of is that construction is facing a five five hundred thousand worker short shortage. Wow. That's today. Wow. Uh, the projections are multi million, depending on which stat you look at. Uh, HBI Home Builders Institute reports we need to get about two to three million people in our workforce, and that's just to get us back to where we are today. So we're 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 facing this locally, and I kind of started seeing looking out five or ten years from now, our 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 trade partners, subcontractors are having labor challenges. So it's a human capital is affecting our business growth. Business growth that's probably our biggest challenge. We're going to talk about that more with Martha. So I want you to okay. put in that one because she's right. like the queen of this. Yeah, okay. yeah. So that that's a challenge that we're facing as a business, and that's a fa that's a challenge that all of our subcontractor and trade partners are facing. So we said, okay, well, how can we do something creative and different about this, and and bring awareness to the issue, and then begin to elevate the industry. And that's how we arrived at a children's book. So yeah, we tried so to do all that. Chris, Chris was like, you know, I want to do a children's book. And I was like, okay, that sounds great. Cause I love anything to do with something different. Um, and so he, he kind of threw around an idea that we joke about now, but um, it was hammer time. He wanted to do a story about a hammer. That <laughs> was a hammer. And for me, you know, I'm not from the construction industry and, and I, I just, it, 
and and no offense to Chris because he loves different ideas too. But I was like, well, let's 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 go deeper. You know, let's let's do something even more like beyond just the typical you know tool in the construction. Anyway, so anyway, after we wrote this tagline, grit leads to greatness. It was kind of we'd done all the studies on obstacles and overcoming challenges, and and so kind of brainstorming. I was actually, I don't know if how, how you all feel inspired, but it's just different times of the day or night. I'll wake up in the middle of the night and you know, type something on my notes just to remember to think of it. So, but it was like one morning drinking coffee and I kind of had this idea. I was like, what if greatness was a place that kids thought existed? Like it was somewhere you could find. And so that kind of like, it just, that it's funny how, you know, I mean, you all have experienced for just something that just a little idea actually, then it forms into something, you know, way bigger. So we, so I talked to Chris about it and we're like, what if these obstacles, uh, we were like, okay, if it's greatness is a place, it's a map. So then it becomes a journey. I was like, what if obstacles along this journey were actually trades, um, uh, construction trades that you know, children would, would find and, and somehow it would shape them into who they are and who they would become. So mm. that kind of set the stage for Chris and I, and Chris, I you talked about Epic Meg uh, earlier, just uh, yeah, Epic children's books or something. And Chris loves Epic stuff. We're both nerds. So he was, he was in on it completely. So we just kind of sat down to the whole storyboard. We just thought about what are um, some trades that are like essential. We think about if a city's crumbling, you know, we kind of went on these different ideas. So we, we got the setting set up. We, it was basically a, 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 um, a futuristic society where it's crumbling, the, the infrastructure, no one knows how to build or fix anything. It's a, it's a world that's forgotten how, how to build basically. So um, yeah, so Chris and I, you know, did brainstorming, different things like that to create the, the first uh, storyboard of the book. Oh my God. I love it. I find the podcast guests. Do you remember ladies? Uh, they were from, oh, I'm from California. So geography is hard for me in the U S uh, they're from the North, the Midwest North, and they had a trades nonprofit. Do you guys remember them? We need to, hmm. we need to connect you guys. Um, we, at the end of that podcast, we were so inspired. We're like, we need to create a children's book series, like making the trades <laughs> sexy for kids and like making them want to get in the trades. And like, this is how you're going to like inspire the next generation. And we're going to solve our recruiting problems. So uh, apparently not an original idea. You'd already come up with it. You've already done it. And it's beautiful. Um, <laughs> need more of that, right? Like we need uh, we need to make the trade sexy again and we need to show it as, um, so I refuse to use blue collar, white collar language. I just find it so elitist and dumb. Uh, but I love this idea that like, uh, my husband, the window cleaner made way more than me and he barely graduated high school mm -hmm. and I wanted more of those stories. Right. And he gets to be outside. Well, he's retired now. So his story is like exceptional, but he got to be outside all the time. Right. And he got to work with his hands and he didn't have to sit at a desk and he never had to punch a clock. And we say he prints his own money. And like, instead our kids are being raised to be doctors and lawyers. And I mean, I'm an accountant and we do have a shortage of accountants. So yes. some kids, please be inspired yeah. to go count money. Like it is really <laughs> It's actually quite fun, but we need to do better at talking about career paths and talking about what success looks like and talking about, you know, um, fulfillment, I think, like the joy of what we do day in and day out. And I'm I'm just so inspired that I, I've been doing I've been living in budget world because I'm an accountant. I can't imagine like you guys having that conversation for the budget that year. So to, so this year we're going to, we're going to allocate a bunch of Jenny's time and we're going to go write a children's book and we're going to have the team involved and we're going to 
I don't know if you self-published or if you had somebody else published, but we're going to self-publish. Yeah. We're going to self-publish it. And we're just going to like, we're going to make this a priority for the year. Like, man, we need more of that. We need <laughs> well, more of that. Uh, people and systems, if we're, you know, talking. I promise I'm going to pass you. I have one more thing I want to talk about though. Sure. <laughs> okay. Uh, the grant process. The I grant. love it. Oh, uh, the Endeavor grant. Yeah. I love it. So I, um, Martha, Michelle, and I were all in a mastermind group once upon a time, a men's mastermind group in Nashville. It was about as classically male as you could get in a cigar bar, like secret rooms. It was like a <laughs> you had to like have a special handshake and a door knock. I don't know. It was, wow. it's crazy. I'm still in that mastermind group. And um, the very first time I went, I had to have a $10,000 idea. And that was like my ticket in the room. And my $10,000 idea had to do with bringing nonprofits into the culture of our company and helping them while helping our community as part of like an impact score of the business. And what happened by doing that and by systematizing that process was it became a huge marketing channel for me because by inspiring nonprofits to apply and then having them vote and then us getting to help and donate our services for those nonprofits, uh, we not only helped a lot of people in our community, but we got the word out that we're here to help our community. So tell us a little bit about the Endeavor Grant, because I feel like that's a similar mission. It's another example of you bringing your core values to life and to your community. Well, uh, I'd say disclaimer, we, we attempted it. I don't know that it went as well as I thought it was going to go. But the mission behind it was we wanted to bring on a partner for a year. So we do monthly training um, with our staff, field and office. And we do focus on three things, safety, leadership, and then some kind of technical aspect of uh, construction or around the construction uh, space. And we invite you know, different people from the area to come in and speak to our group and Q&A and all that kind of stuff. So we take like a Friday afternoon once a month and we been, we've been doing this. Actually, we started like right at, uh, before COVID. We were deemed essential. So we were still doing this during COVID. I saw that one of the like back to the workforce challenge, uh, one of the things that uh, we were going to have to do is we were going to have to hire people that didn't have the technical capacity and train them if we wanted to keep growing. So that's, you know, we could hire on attitude and we could hire on character, character competency. And uh, I, there's another C I always use, but um, I can't remember what it is right now. <laughs> and so we, we uh, what is it? Capability. Capability. Yeah. So we would hire on uh, those, try and hire on those things and make sure personality wise, they would fit our core values then we could teach them construction, teach them the technical aspect. So that's how we started that. So the thought was, is like, wow, we're kind of doing this stuff. People that would come and speak to our organization was like, wow, this is pretty awesome. You guys maybe want to, might want to think about sharing this. What you're doing is pretty unique. Most small businesses aren't doing stuff like this. So that's when the idea came about. This is also framed in the timeline of COVID. I don't know if your community was having conversations about nonprofits not uh, making it. Okay. So the thought was, is we have to step out and be a leader for our community and teach people how to give again. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm not very public in my giving. This was the first public, very, very public giving thing we've ever done. 
Uh, we ha- I think we had probably 20 plus nonprofits applied. We narrowed it down to three. And then we had one come alongside us, uh, the Epoch Dream Center, for about a year. Um, we gave them $25,000. And the goal was to teach them how we run our business uh, and then try and learn how they run their nonprofit. So as businesses grow, we become less resourceful. And so there's things that we can still learn from nonprofit being nimble, moving fast, being resourceful, all that kind of stuff. So that was the goal. I'm not, I probably would move it into my failure category. Um, but uh, that, that was the intent. Behind well, it wasn't as, as um, involved with each other as we had. Well, I mean, they were, you know, they were grateful and everything. And it's such a great organization. It just wasn't this back and forth as much as yeah, I was looking for wanted. like a partnership. Yeah. yeah. Like a true partnership for a year. And I, you know, I, I, I and we're also very distracted. We have a million things yeah. going on. I think we underestimated how well we totally. would focus on it. And Chris and I are always kind of on to different, you know, ideas and things. So I think that's, I, I would love to talk to you guys about that offline and maybe <laughs> yeah. inspire you to find a way to bring it back. Cause I think that's a great mission. Uh, teach people how to give again, just gave me giant goosebumps. Um, mm-hmm. I just want to make a note about your monthly training and then I'm going to pass you to Michelle. Uh, leadership, technical experience. And what was the third thing you train on every month? Uh, safety. Safety. Love safety. It. Yep. Love it so much. Thank you so much. I'm sorry, ladies. I went so over time. <laughs> I took taste time and my time. <laughs> and uh, you guys are going to get to talk about systems. Jenny and Chris, I am so grateful for your time. I'm so excited. Um, I want to talk about systems because business owners often tackle issues in their business and they solve it with systems. I loved how the book's characters, every single time a character was introduced, almost exclusively the minute that their sort of superpower was was, uh, given to us in the book, they stopped and taught. So stopping and teaching is really a system that you use in your business for all of your team members, I'm sure. How can you, if you're listening, um, take that stop and teach approach to doing some sort of mentorship and how can you find the margin in your life to make something like that happen? How have you turned it outside of your company? In other words, uh, staying on the community track to your community to stop and teach others, please. <laughs> um, so I, this was like eight, 2018 or 19, we made a commitment that we were going to, um, I personally was going to keep growing. So I recognize that if I was not going to keep growing, um, learning, reading books, listening to podcasts, going to conferences, meeting other uh, people, that our business was not going to grow. And I challenged the leadership team to do so. We went to um, we went to a Dave Ramsey conference, Entree mm-hmm. Leadership Conference. Sure. One of the <laughs> one of the best lessons I ever learned in there was teaching why. Um, I always thought everybody knew what I knew, so I didn't ever take the time to stop. And <laughs> why? Here's why I'm asking for this. Here's the reason why. And that has that one point right there has changed my life. Wow. Um, it's changed relationships, and it's made our I think I made our business better. But it, I think it's just the the simple things. I mean, we have a we call it a tactical meeting. There's a great book uh, called uh, Death by Meeting by Pat. Lincioni, <laughs> different types of meetings. So we have a weekly tactical meeting and Daniel Mills, our, one of our vice presidents, he's committed to it. We watch, uh, we watch one masterclass 
at the start of every meeting. Um, and it's wow. can be anywhere from five to uh, 10 minutes. It's just one section. And then we follow the series uh, through a masterclass that's done worlds for our team. So it's just being intentional mm-hmm. and then building a system behind the intentionality, I think, of of that. That's how I could probably best answer that question. Do you have any? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm trying to think of... <laughs> The way that applies but yeah i think that's i mean does that answer some of your questions michelle yes, like- absolutely no and and then in terms of how do you then outside of your company now that you've you've got like this cadence of teaching within your company is there a way to move that outside of your company to a not to, you know some sort of um i don't know volunteer work or something else that your business does to teach others right because i really believe that the book has such a beautiful pathway in teaching, that's what I, the thread I kept seeing in the book. How could you, like as the listeners, how can you take that and apply it outside of your business is what I'm asking. Mm, Well, I mean, you know, with the, with the book, um, personally, I mean, that that's, and I didn't know if we wanted to get into that yet, but I mean, writing, writing the book, what we did, um, once we actually published it and got it ready, we had a plan to get the construction community involved in our local schools. So that um, Chris had talked originally about us personally getting involved in, in the K through 12 at one of our companies, almost like it was more, more like not benefit us, but it kind of like ingratiated us with the community in that sense. But we, this this book, after we, after we wrote the book, we realized that it, because I mean, obviously, so the beginning was we had this crisis, right? This problem. So when we talked about greatness and 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 uh, and the story developing, it's basically talking about two kids who save save the world that's forgotten how to build. And were we wanting to impart this knowledge to kids that they can also save the world? Because there will be that we we need not only need new people to be in the construction field and different trades, but we also need to have people who are champions of the trade. People who if if you don't ever join the trades, you still know that it matters. You don't look at it as blue collar. There's no difference in in those things. It's just it's a it's a career profession that is noble and necessary, which we say. So that was something that once we we put this together, like this mean this has legs. This has this has meaning, and we really we believe that we believe that it's not just for our local community. So, anyways, after we we wrote the book, we also by, by the way also the grit part of this book. This was something important. Um, we wanted to teach kids about grit in general, like what it means and how it can apply to your life, not only to it. It's a metaphor for construction within the story, but it's also you know applied to your life. Kids and I use my, my own children as an example. You know, I became a mom. I adopted my, my husband's four kids after they lost their mom. You know, I saw the way that they had to handle a terrible tragedy tragedy in their life. And I was really inspired by what they did. I, 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 I was inspired that they didn't look at this terrible thing that happened in life as something to as an excuse for them to act out or misbehave there they were they looked at it they didn't look at it as it was going to ruin their life I, I really admire the way they they were resilient and they taught me a lot about love and and what it is to to look to the future as 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 positive so when I was writing the story I was kind of writing it from the viewpoint of my kids kind of how you would tell yourself as you're uh, as you're coming up to a new obstacle what how do you talk to yourself? How do you remind yourself that, okay, I can do this. It's hard. It's, it's difficult. I don't want to be here, but people are depending on me, or I want to do this because I believe in something greater than myself. So those are things that we wanted to put in and Chris totally, you know, agreed as well, but it's like, we really wanted kids to get that feeling 
that they could they could do something. But it was also brought to you by the construction trade. So we're we're bringing construction into the kids' lives in a positive light. We're showing them that we have something to teach the world, and we use we use grit as a metaphor. So all that to say. <laughs> Um, we, Chris, Chris and I had this idea, we'll, we'll get all of our construction companies in the area to be involved. We're going to buy classroom bundles of the book. They're going to donate these to each kid in the classroom. So imagine you walk a construction uh, worker or a welder. Like uh, a floor coatings company. Floor coatings company. Exactly. We had people doing that. They, they, uh, they sponsor a classroom. So they go into the classroom. They have actual gifts. They give, to the, they give the book to the kids. They each get their own copy. And then they walk in there either having a hard hat on or their vests or something that applies to their own trade. And they read aloud to the kids as the kids read along. And so um, that was that was our idea. And we thought that that really it also I think it brings positive feelings to the kids. They're getting their own their own gift, which every kid likes that. Right. <laughs> get to read along as it's being read and they get to look at the illustrations and, and take it in as it's being read. But then they also can ask questions as it as it happens. So I don't know, Chris, do you want to talk about what how that day was? So good. <laughs> uh, well, I think that was probably one of the most moving days of my career. Um, so we were using this as a test pilot um, to kind of see how kids would react to our book and then how teachers would react. I think one of the things that we were not anticipating was the 40 or 50 trade men and women coming out of the classroom and the, the sense of pride, wow. the, this empowerment, this engagement. I mean, I, I mean, they were beaming. It was, it was very moving. I mean, construction's a tough crowd to get energized <laughs> and excited about. Um, and I have never seen, uh, you know, I've never seen anything like it. And so the kids were looking up to the men and women. We had our storefront guy in there. He was in there for probably an hour and a half with third graders. Uh, it was, an, it was just really, really special day. And, yeah. We were like, we're, we're, What's his, I never I can't remember his name. Nathan, Nathan. Nathan. We were like, where is Nathan? We're like, is he okay? I think he's still in the classroom. So we went <laughs> like peer through the window and he's just sitting there. These kids are just asking, peppering him with questions. And it had already been over an hour. We're like, is he okay? Like, should we rescue him? Like, but I mean, that was another thing that we noticed is that taking going into your community that's funny like because there's always this disconnect if you don't go into your local schools, like I mean, I have my my kids are now in high school, but you know, you know your own kids' school, but like my, you know, getting outside of your little bubble and then going into the community, into a classroom, a lot of these, these people reading to kids they never had met before, yeah. had no connection. But in, even in our hometown, there's, there's, you know, some, some schools that are at the poverty level, many kids are, are, are living at the poverty level. And, and you, you just hear all these, these horror stories of schools. Schools are so bad. These are all, you know, these, yeah. these rumors, but then you go in and you're actually with the kids and they were the sweetest kids. <laughs> never felt so loved in future, my life future is like, bright in america oh my gosh they yeah. were so happy they wanted they 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 were willing they were soaking in the 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 information from our our tradesmen and women and they they were happy and you know that was something that i think that's like we're this has got to continue on right yeah and then the other piece about systematizing just being involved <laughs> in your community so obviously you can tell that's something that we're very passionate about something yeah. that <laughs> Uh, I'm a boy scout. Uh, I'm an Eagle scout, you know, um, is just, I, me I remember a, a mentor telling me this one day, very simply, like you want to be a leader, go be a leader. Yeah. Right. And it's just, 
everybody listening on this podcast is a leader, right? Cause you're in business. So take it to the next step, go do something in your community and just, uh, you eat an elephant one bite at a time, right? It takes a thousand bites, but <laughs> I'm or one step at a time. Just go, just go do it. I mean, that's, that's really the way I would uh, try to challenge you on, on that or systematize it. I love it. I love it. Well, you're sure going to hear from me about this book. This is beautiful. Shout out to my sweet husband. He actually volunteered in a high school locally this last year for an hour a month. And it said, he said it was the most impressive time he spent. So anybody listening, it's really beautiful. And Jenny, you and I have a lot in common. I married him. He was a widower and I adopted his daughter after her her mother passed away. So you and I need to take another conversation. We'll get too teary and talk about kids. I don't need any people like you. So no, it's, we're, we're uh, not a few, not very many of us out there. So I'd love to chat with you about that too. So I'll hand in Martha. Thank you so much. It was beautiful. Awesome. Oh, you're muted, Martha. <laughs> I've been on and off muted. I ran over my cat's tail. Oh, <laughs> no. So I had to quickly mute. Uh, but anyway, that's okay. Um, lots of lots of good stuff. And my head was spinning on, we could do this, we could do this. <laughs> but I'm going to ask you about elevating your people. Um a quick little story that back when I was having some training issues, you know, I thought I had all my ducks in a row, but people would get out of my training program where I had an assigned trainer. They were right there with them. You'd spend all this time and money, they'd get out, and then we'd start getting complaints on that person, that new grad. And I'd be like, what the heck? You know, and so long story short, we re-engineered our training program and I went from expecting this level at graduation to this level at graduation. And I remember my field trainer um, saying, there's no way anyone's going to get out of training. They're just not. And I just, you know, and I didn't know if they would, but I said, if you believe that, then they're not. So I need you to believe that this is going to work. And when you approach our trainees, you just act like we've been doing this the entire time. And it's just the way that it goes. And uh, thankfully, she was really good at doing that. And so it pretty much eliminated our, uh, you know, the issues we were having after training because we expected so much more. And I think many of us, you know, that are listening, you know, that four minute mile story, nobody could break it forever and ever and ever. When one person broke that four minute mile, then everybody started breaking it. So that's that's my story on real life application. I've seen it happen. I do you have some stories where like maybe you had a similar aha moment that we need to expect more to get more? 
Uh, yes, mm. I, I can tie this all in a nice bow, I think. Okay, um, nice. <laughs> so you use the word believe. Um, we all want something to believe in and we all want people to believe in us. I think that's a human characteristic that we all share. Um, it's actually, it's a funny story. Um, Jenny and I, our first project together, when we moved into our new office, there's a wall on the outside. And I remember when I first looked at this uh, building to buy it, I was like, I'm putting a mural there. And uh, it was gonna it was gonna be the first mur mural. The city actually beat me to it, but um, I couldn't find the right artist. But everything happens for a reason. I was supposed to meet Jenny, and I had this really um, I wanted to have this kind of like transfiguration or like metamorphosis type of thing with a butterfly. And I remember Jenny saying, "Please don't do this. This is this is a terrible idea. You're rushing this." And I was like, oh, wow, you have only been working here two weeks and you're telling me. I was afraid me... to say something to Chris. I was afraid because <laughs> I didn't know him that well. And I just started working there. And I and I'm I, I understand when creatively I don't like it when people come at me creatively and try to like belittle me or, or you know, the way they approach me and give me constructive criticism matters the way you say it. So, I mean, I, with Chris, I, I was really worried, but I was like, you know what, I, I need to just say something because I think I think we have something here and I think he's on the right track and I appreciate his vision. But anyway, so, yeah, we we. we I, I remember I sent him a long text or something. I was like, okay, I hope you don't take this the wrong way. But <laughs> it, it was just tweaking a few things. I felt like we needed to, it was like aspirational. It was, it, you know, so we just had, we changed a few things and, and we met with uh, the artist. He was kind of telling the artist what to do. And I said, why don't we meet with the artist and have them talk to us about what they want, you know, like what, what they envision. And, and, and Chris just needed to hear that part. And it was like, yeah, okay. Like let's, let's rethink this a little bit. It was a nice way for, saying that I was the problem. So, I mean, I, 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 I recognize that. Right. And uh, so anyway, long story short, they had, they came up with this beautiful mural. It's a girl blowing um, a dandelion that turns into flowers, right? All these colorful like flowers. Giant, like, and at, the at the end, um, the murals named believe and they wrote believe in vertical letters on the side. If you go to our Facebook, you can probably find it somewhere use it in a lot of our stuff but um anyway so believe and then going to our book uh another thing that you might notice as you're reading it when they move on from each character um that character says i believe in you or we believe in you right to the kids as they keep going on their journey so believes a, a big thing for me actually my first piece of artwork I bought off of Etsy for $20 when I started my business. It's a pig flying that says, I want to believe. So that has been with me for um, many, many years. And I don't know who says this quote, but I have it written on my uh, board down in my office. Nobody rises to low expectations. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> the issue that you're talking about, and I think the challenge that we all struggle with, and I did myself, right, is you have to make the commitment to yourself as the leader of the organization that I'm raising the expectations for myself right. and I'm going to operate this way. And my business is going to start operating this way as well. And that's a personal decision that you have to make. It's mm -hmm. challenging because you have to look in your, look in the mirror and say, oh, all right, I really don't like this part about myself. I really don't like this part about myself, but if I'm going to continue to grow both professionally and personally, this is what I got to do. And you got to lean into it. 
-hmm. And that might be coaches, that might be uh, partners, that might be mentors, that might be some employees. I mean, you can, if you try and look objectively at your own business, you can see the flaws and they're, at least for me, I'm not calling anybody else out. <laughs> at least for me, they're usually a reflection of my personality. So I think that's the biggest challenge that business owners uh, uh, struggle with. But so that, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, it you does. And, and you got to believe that they can do it. You got to ignite the potential. That's the job of the owner is to ignite the potential that they have. Yeah. And even with, um, even with that, poster that you have behind you, you're elevating the team. You know, I know it's a graphic design piece, but it's you elevating their status just through those simple cards that you created. And I think that's just brilliant because that is a struggle. I mean, we talked about it in the you know, the school setting, it's a struggle between this. I, I, I saw a um, well-respected colleague who's very successful in a home service industry. And I saw him post about his toddler playing with, you know, like a doctor kit and saying basically how proud he was. And I thought, yeah, okay, but be proud of what you've done. You know what I mean? Is that it was like he had reached this level, but yet still clinging to you need to be falling into one of those professional categories. And um, so I love how you have elevated your team and raise their beliefs. It's a really cool story. And, you know, I have a question because I've seen this really doesn't have to do with people. I mean, indirectly, <laughs> yes. But um, so, Jenny, you came in and really, you know, you have a graphic design background, but my gosh, it sounds like you really helped change the culture of the business with your graphic design and your um, where you guys together shifted your brand identity, etc. Um, when you came in, I mean, like, Chris, did you hire Jenny as a graphic designer? Like, what was your role when you very first came into the company? Uh, yes, uh, Jenny was hired as a I guess a part-time gra graphic, part graphic designer. I immediately saw that she had the ability to do a lot more than she, I hope you don't take this the wrong way, ever thought that she could do. Yeah. Uh, like write a children's book, like, you know, win an international award for um, marketing, you know, honestly, probably in our area be one of the best uh, branding marketers in our community. Um, I think very quickly within 12 to 24 months, Jenny will be known as probably one of the most uh, brilliant marketers in the construction industry. We've met people um, all across America now with the, with the book. We're working with uh, 
many, many, many different construction organizations, both contractors, uh, trade contractors and construction organizations, educational um, forums. So um, she is actually going to begin to, with her vision, start disrupting our industry. And she's getting people to believe in themselves. We're getting the industry to believe in our in ourselves. Sorry, that was well, long-winded. I, I mean, I think what's key in anybody's business is kind of bringing people from the outside in. Because like for, for me, and I wasn't in the construction space. So right. coming in, I could kind of see some of the stereotypes and the things that were like, like you were mentioning, like the, the man who posted about his toddler doing the doctor thing. It's like, we are the, as a construction industry now, we are the ones that need to sa save ourselves. We, we can't expect, we can't expect someone else to solve the problems. And we also need to elevate what we do. And we also have to have pride in what we do because it, it is something to be proud of. And I think right. you're right. Like, why, why would we expect people to join? We're like, oh, there's nobody wants to work these days and nobody wants to join. Well, we have to understand that times are changing. How mm -hmm. is, how is the industry there? Everybody's vying for new hires. Like we have got to put ourselves out there. We have to recognize how people operate as young people. You know, we cannot, we cannot, we have to change, right? That's always the change is, is part of, of a successful business. So I think, you know, I challenge people to look outside of your, your immediate, not like immediate group of people to get new ideas, fresh ideas, and and bring someone who doesn't know the industry. They call it the curse of knowledge. When you're involved, when you're ingrained in something so much, you can't see. Even earlier, we were saying uh, phrases that nobody else knew we were talking about. So, like, we have got to realize that you know. And I think keeping your child, like you, Chris and I both, we we still remember like the things that inspired us as children, what brought us joy and happiness. And I think not only does we want to bring that to kids to inspire them but it's also our, our our fellow co-workers and things that that make people want to work somewhere it's not it's not just the money money helps but it's about feeling valued and and feeling like you're heard right yeah sidebar mm -hmm. on creativity and mm -hmm. finding that thought mm -hmm. and this is probably another reason why we ended up um with uh, a children's book but I have it written on our quote wall. We have a bunch of quotes from all our different team members. You know, they, they yeah. put quotes that matter up on the wall. But one is children believe in magic because they look for it. And so if you want to if you want to be creative, hang out with creative people. You know who the most creative people in the world are? Kids. Yeah. Hang out with kids. They'll teach you. And if you can look through their eyes and try and see the magic that they have, then, 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 then you can take their ideas and try and try and figure out how, okay, well, how can I put that into a system? How can I do something with that idea in, into my business and kind of do that? So one other challenge, you know, we, we rewrote our core values because I, I, that's something that I, I look at my see people's core values and you're using common words that every other, like, you know, maybe quality, quality, uh, excellence. Okay. That's great. But it's 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 heard so much. People don't really pay attention to that and are, aren't necessarily inspired by it. Not saying that it can't be, and I don't want to offend anybody, but I think really taking a hard look at who you are and try to put into words that people can focus on and, and, and as you're an employee of that company to actually see how that plays out in life. You know, so I think that we tried to really, because we actually, you know, hired other people outside to like help write this, but then we realized we're the ones that are going to know our company the best. So we really then we took some of that stuff and then we honed in, okay, these are words that actually 
means something like the word epic, you know, word grit. These things are things that we understand. So uh, that's just mm-hmm. something I think people yeah. should try out. I want to add one comment and interrupt briefly. Uh, I have, I'm a really good friend with a woman who runs an, uh, our local arts center. So it's a nonprofit here in the community. And she talks about um, that creativity and like the importance of prioritizing and finding space for it. But she also talks about like finding opportunities for creativity mm-hmm. and play. She says like as adults, when was the last time we played, like went out and played. And um, one of our favorite things that we do with our team every year is we take them on a shopping spree for kids in need. Oh, yeah. And they go and they shop for kids toys. And these guys, they <laughs> love it because it takes them childhood and they end up playing in target we kind of just leave it like it's a two-hour shopping trip and they're really just buying one toy but like to choose the right toy for the and then we go and we deliver the toy to the kid but i i never thought about until you said that chris and jenny this idea that as employers we kind of get to curate an experience and we don't want to control it too much but if we could create playful space or if we could create playful time imagine the innovation that could happen in our companies imagine the loyalty that could happen in our companies imagine like how much more fulfilled our staff could be when they go home at the end of an exhausting day if we could create or curate um playtime or like you know even recess right like on their schedule at their at their work i hope they get inspired i am going to go add some recess time to my calendar love it well man we could go on forever and along those lines um so at the end of every staff meeting i would set aside five ten minutes in closing where we play a game and sometimes you know Sometimes it was a teaching opportunity. So maybe we're doing, you know, Jeopardy um, policies and procedures or something like that. But I, one of our favorite things is when we'd have a game and they'd have to come up with the answer. And I had those buzzer buttons. Oh, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's what you needed workers comp for right there is because <laughs> of them shoving people <laughs> to the buttons. But And then a good friend of mine, um, she did a scavenger hunt. And so we implemented a scavenger hunt during our anniversary week. And I remember one of my longtime employees um, telling me, she was asking me, when is Diva Week? And I told her and she goes, oh, I can't wait for the scavenger hunt. And we did it (laughs) once a year. You know, but yet she was like counting the days for when we were going to do a scavenger hunt. And so that those are just examples of, yes, we as adults love to play. And uh, I think that's why our creative graphic designer who's not here, Tay, when built out this uh, admin boot camp, like camping theme has been so successful and um, attractive to people. Yeah. Yeah. They can understand it. It's something that it's like metaphors, you know, those are things that helps people to understand bigger concepts. I love, that's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been great. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, 
Michelle, do you want to close us out? With- yeah, I'll start us out with a little bit of homework. We always give homework and feel free to jump in, Jenny and Chris, if you have something that you'd like to share with our listeners. If not, it's no big deal. And we always tell our listeners, just pick one piece of homework. You don't have to do them all um, and, and have fun with it. Uh, my system's homework this week is to check out your book. I love the fact that you're offering it in bundles for people to buy for their local classrooms. So please, I'm going to put it in the Facebook group and share it out on Facebook as well. So please uh, check out the book. That's your systems homework for this week. Love that. Um, (laughs) I, your money homework this week is going to, we're going to talk a little bit about how time is money and how we should be budgeting time and how as employers, we should be helping create structure around productivity but I'm going to challenge you in how you define productivity. And I'm going to have you sit with maybe your leadership team and look at your calendars together. Open up your calendar, open up their calendars, and really look at that calendar and, and question, have we left any space to get creative? Like, are we just, is our calendar around a task list or have we left some space? I'm in a mastermind group called Breakthrough Academy and we meet every other week. And Four weeks ago, uh, I was in a mini group and we challenged each other to leave three hours of just thinking time. Mm-hmm. And uh, and every single person in that group was supposed to block it and protect it. And we didn't care how you could go for a bike ride, you could go for a run, you could go to the garden, didn't matter. But you had three hours in the middle of your work week to go think so that you could be creative. Well, we need to do that with our leaders, too. I think we get really stuck in this like idea of productivity and grind and meetings and all of that. But this morning, I've been inspired to revisit that with myself and my leadership team. And I'm going to challenge me to switch it slightly from creative time to play time. Let's do it. Right. Like recess. I'm going to try and build in some recess and encourage my leadership to build in recess. And if we can dial that in, then we can inspire our team to have a recess. So that's going to be your finance homework this week. And just do one, please. We want you to take action from our homework. We want you to take action from this episode. And if you try to do all the homework assignments, you're going to get stuck. And then it's going to get messy. So just choose one. And my homework is going to be, how can you elevate your staff? How can you elevate their status? Because even with the maid service, you know, the common thought around maid service is cleaning other people's toilets. But my staff, they had so, they had so much um, freedom as far as we could definitely float their hours if they needed to go to, you know, a kid's assembly or something like that. So, you know, trying to elevate them as in you're the master of your Mm -hmm. work time uh, to some degree uh, and a provider and all of these things and be able to elevate your team to attract other people who want exactly that. So, and then Jenny and Chris, do you guys want to give some homework? I have, I have one. You got one? Um, you go first. Okay. Uh, readers, leaders are readers, not all. Um, so there's a great book out there given to another mentor of mine. Um, it's called Small Giants. I think it's called, I think it's by Bo Burlington. And in there, there is a company out of Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, and I can't, 
can't remember the name of the company right now. That escapes me. Anyway, he's a he's an anarchist and uh, the founder of this and 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 they he got opportunities to franchise his business and go across America. And he said, "No, I'm going to stay in Ann Arbor and I'm going to launch 57 different businesses under my brand." And that's what he's done. And he, and one of this is teaching his philosophy, his business philosophy. And in there, he's got uh, several different essays. One's on visioning. And we did this in um, COVID. We had some downtime. Yeah. So I read all his essays on visioning. And then I sat down and I wrote a 2030 vision of what our company looked like. So that would be my uh, cool. challenge to you and, yeah. your, and your homework to do on that. Yeah, I think I'll just follow up with what I said earlier. You know, don't have to rewrite your core values. And, and if they are your core values and you can't change them, I get it. But, you know, looking at it from a fresh perspective, start to think about how your employees look at that. Do they care? Do they notice? Will they be able to repeat it to others? You know, those are things to think about. And if not, you know, that's something maybe within the next year to start uh, processing it. It can be something you can share with your your following, your followers. You know, this is how we're doing it. It's, it's, you can involve people in the process, which is a lot of fun. So that would be my challenge, just, just to look at it. That's about it. That's great. I'm personally looking up how far away you all are. I'm on my maps, seeing if I can drive to you today and give you both a huge hug. This was such a fun episode. Thank you all so much for sharing. We always end with a quote, and I pulled one from the book, no less. Oh, there you go. Uh, and it is my favorite that I saw today, and it is greatness is where people use their abilities and experiences to change the world. So go out there and change the world today, everybody. Thank you so, so much, Chris and Jenny. This was awesome. It was great. Go fight. Go fight. Yeah. Okay, bye, everybody. Thank you. <laughs> join our Facebook group where we have weekly homework, accountabilities, and an awesome community to help you fight for your business. Facebook.com slash Fight Club for, as in the number four, business. Fight Club for Business.